Welcome to Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. If you're like me and you've ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here, whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your career or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, or somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest could be said she's a woman of the world, living in 16 different states and two countries before her 25th birthday. This mobility instilled in her a love of adventure, travel, and a delight of new experiences, which is so amazing. Her career journey has been equally diverse, beginning in banking, recruiting, and architecture, all leading, leading to continued success in the fast-paced and dynamic environment of data centers at Microsoft as a certified PMP and um, fellow problem solver, a true kindred spirit. I, too, am a PMP. Uh, she found her way to compliance through process improvement, finding every compliance issue an opportunity for improvement by identifying the gaps or causes for the issue. Her current role is Senior Compliance Manager for Supplier Non-Compliance of the Supplier Governance Monitoring and Enforcement Team, my goodness, that's a mouthful, allows for the identification of trends uh, and implementation of migrating enterprise strategies. Her adventurous spirit combined with a belief that it's never too early to start planning for retirement, today's guest experienced a life change when she was spending time on a sandy beach at, in the Sea of Cortez in the Baja California Sur in Mexico, her retirement destination. I'm already dreaming of retirement. <sighs> it was during this time of exploration for retirement location that she found and started another journey of living plastic-free after finding then filling a plastic bag with other plastics in the ocean while snorkeling. Five years later, her passion for living plastic-free has grown, and I definitely am going to dig into that. An excellent small talker, which she proved this morning. Uh, she enjoys skiing, kayaking, long walks on the beach with her dogs, and discovering new restaurants and speakeasy. Welcome, Liz, ba Liz Bachman. Hello. Nice, nice to meet you, Kathy. So happy to be that you're here. I'm, I'm delighted. I don't ever shy away from the opportunity to talk about plastic-free I think that's part of the key is sharing, sharing lessons learned, sharing tips and tricks, because if you don't know, you're not going to be able to leverage a plastic-free lifestyle. Absolutely. All right. So I gave our audience a, literally the highlights. Maybe you can tell us a little more, bit more about, you know, well, your career has been longstand in, in Microsoft, which is a... Um, uh, an achievement in itself that is not an easy environment. Um, so maybe you can tell us a little bit how you got into that space and whatnot, and then we'll uh, dig into the four questions and definitely get to the whole plastic-free living. I would love to. I um, I never thought that I'd want to work for a large corporation. When I was a kid, I actually made a bet with my neighbor, who was one of the Microsoft founders, a million dollars that I would never work for the Borg. And sure enough, <laughs> it's where I ended up. But when I um, left architecture, where I was their international recruiter, um, I landed. I landed at Microsoft through connections. Um, I I found both with moving within Microsoft and every job change I've had along the path. It's because of somebody I've known or somebody I've connected with. And I found my way to Microsoft through one of those connections and landed in the dynamic, fast-paced, crazy world of data centers. When I started, Microsoft had one 
active data center build. Wow. And uh, it was a real privilege to work in an environment where everything was brand new. Um, everything was like a startup. We were making things from scratch. And the things that I used to do are now being done by teams of hundreds of people as we've continued to scale. And I think the real benefit of finding a home in a place like Microsoft is that you can change jobs, recreate yourself and change organizations, but stay at the same place. And I've really had a great journey moving from um, operations in the data center to the critical environment. So inside the colos to working with security and compliance where I am now. And you are right. Supplier governance monitoring and enforcement is an unwieldy name, but it accurately describes what we do. In your business card, you actually unfold an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper to have all of those words on it, right? <laughs> When I was asked, uh, when the team was renaming, if I had a preference, my only ask was, can I say it easily? I didn't, I didn't win that. No. <laughs> one, Liz zero. <laughs> All right. So as you know, I ask my guests, uh, the four same questions to start off. So if you're ready, we'll get into those. I'm ready, Kathy. Thank you. All right. So. I know what you didn't want to do when you grew up, which was do what you do now is what you said, but what was the first career you remember wanting to do when you grow up? I love being outside and I love animals and the career path that called to me as a young person was being a marine biologist. You know what? That's, isn't it? It's so funny. So I think most kids go through a phase of either wanting to be an astronaut, mm -hmm. a veterinarian, or a marine biologist. Yeah. And maybe for the, you know, the, the real, like, I'm going to make a million dollars, a lawyer. But like, I, I, it, it, marine biologist, believe it or not, is the most common thing I hear. I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. I mean, it's an unexplored territory. You get you know, the science part of it, but you also get the nature part of it. And in youthful dreams, you think you're going to spend your time on a boat in the ocean. It's not actually the reality of marine biologist, but that's what you think it is. Yes. Yeah. Playing with dolphins, petting whales. No, no. You spend yeah. your life looking at things like Daphnia and sea fleas to see or the impact on algae. Yeah. It's a lot of math and statistics. Interesting, two of my best work colleagues are um, marine biologists. So you live vicariously through them. Fun. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, and it, it makes a lot of sense that somebody with that rich data analytics and um, process mind would end up at Microsoft. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So who was the first big influencer that you remember on your life? Oh, this is going to sound so cheesy, but my dad, um, you know, good or bad. I was raised as a project manager because my father, um, is, uh, uh, 
a business leader or, or I guess was a business leader. He's retired now. He came up through semiconductors. So um, he really uh, led by example and um, through his parenting, how to, how to think things through, optimize, make it more efficient. How do you make it better? How do you take your lessons learned and not repeat them in the future? And uh, I, I feel grateful that he was both a business mentor and a friend and my dad. Nice. Nice. Yeah, there was no way you weren't going to end up in the technology world. Your no. father was in semiconductors. Your neighbor yeah. was founder of MS. Like, come on. Yeah. It was going to happen. Not, I did not see that coming. <laughs> and I think, oh, uh, just a quick pause. I remember one of those hard lessons that I got as a kid when I came home with um, like a B on a report card and my brother got an A and my dad looked at me. Sorry, my brother got a C. So he underperformed, I overperformed, and my brother got accolades. And my dad looked at me and said, you have to work harder. And I was like, that's not fair. And right or wrong, he he spoke the truth of our business environment and that uh, women have to do more. They have to work harder and prove themselves more than maybe their male colleagues. And I feel like that lesson has really stayed with me through the course of time. Such an important lesson. And if in, in putting in context that as a woman, you're just going to have to work your ass way harder than your brother will, then that's the lesson, right? And it's, it's so sad to say that I'm, I'm a mom to a son and a daughter, as my listeners know. And I have always said that to my kids. So what song epitomizes your career path? This is maybe the best question I've ever been asked maybe in my life, Kathy. It really, it really um, is a thinker. So I'm going to say not a song, but I'll go with a genre. Sure. The, bo the bossa nova. It's spicy oh. with a quick tempo. I love it. Mm. I love that. All right. You're going to have to, because uh, I do the out outro with your favorite song. So maybe you can me, send me your favorite bossa nova tune. I will. I will. What are three words you'd use to describe you and or your career? I'm going to I'm going to leverage a book that probably everybody should read. Um, Maximize your strengths. I think. No, actually, it's called now. Maximize your strengths. And it really focuses on. Whatever you're good at, put time into that. Put your energy into that. Say, if you're not good at math and you put a lot of time into it, you're not going to get much better at it. You might be okay, but if you're great at something and you put that same amount of time into it, you'll be fabulous. I really loved how it informed some of my career decisions through my life. And so I'm going to lean on the top three things that now know your strengths told me I am. I'm a Mac, I'm a maximizer. I'm a connector and I'm a problem solver. We are the same person. Mm. Love that. Have you, um, have you ever done strength finder? Gallup yes. Book? yes. Yeah. Um, I haven't done this one. I'm going to have to go and do this one now. <laughs> it's, it's really, um, it's really helpful. Uh, the maximizer 
how I think of it is my own bar is set very high. And having that high bar and always trying to achieve or do more or learn more and better yourself is, I think, demonstrated in being a lifelong learner and an adventurer and a traveler. So. Love it. Yeah. That's amazing. So, you know, we talked about um, your career and, and your love of what you've been able to achieve and the flexibility and the variety that you've had in working at Microsoft. But what has your career been like? I mean, I know as a woman coming up, starting my career in, in technology in the automotive space, um, I was one of one um, yeah. in the entire organization for a long time. So I imagine you being in that space as well, although much larger organization, I'm curious to hear if, you know, I, I worked for a startup. Did you find the same thing that you were, you know, that <laughs> one of these things just doesn't belong? <laughs> yeah, it, I'm, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was rough. It was really hard being... Um, when I started at Microsoft in the data centers, there was 1% female employees. Um, most of those female employees were in administrative roles. And um, I had a lot of opportunities early in my career at Microsoft to inform my colleagues that it was inappropriate for them to ask me to take meeting minutes just because I was the only woman in the room and to know I was not going to go to the kitchen and get somebody coffee, but if they were going to the kitchen, they could certainly bring back coffee for the rest of the room. It was a really interesting dynamic to be in a technology environment and have some really old fashioned mindsets about the roles of women in an environment. And the role I had was one of, uh, I was, in a position where I had to say no a lot. Um, I was in a control function and I'll, I'll say that <clears throat> saying no to a male colleague in a senior role really takes quite, quite a bit of moxie. Yep, it does. Uh, so it was difficult. It was a lot of work. Um, and when I say it was a lot of work, when people ask, why did I get my PMP or why did I get my MBA in IT project management? It's because I needed to be able to advance my career. And as a woman, <clears throat> I didn't have some of the advantages that my male colleagues did where they got promotions and they got interviews for jobs where they didn't meet the minimum qualifications. And so... Um, that lesson that my dad taught me all those years ago is that you have to try harder, you have to work harder, you have to have more credentials was right. It's hard. Yeah. And I so wish we've, we in today being 2023, that we were further than we are. Me too. I, I think we've seen a significant shift, drastic shift, actually, I'll say over the last four years. I can't yep. even go back five years. I got to say yep. four years. Um, 2019, I think is where I really started to see the difference. And yeah. I think it's actually my kids' generation. So my daughter is uh, about to turn 22. 
she is starting her master's in uh, biomedical physics. And um, I think her generation is going to be one of the first to where it really is about the person, not about the gender. Um, Yeah, well, gender is now a spectrum. Right? Yeah. Which I think helps. I think, I think it has, does. Too. I think that dialogue has yeah. really helped the the breadth. Now it's not it's it's not binary anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it yeah. I mean, I still see them leaning toward the traditional male looking side of that spectrum. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, at least there's breadth, right? There's variety. Yeah, I I think the the noticeable difference. I saw again about four to five years ago was um, our amazing fearless leader who's fantastic, but he did put his foot in his mouth in a press conference and it had a lot of ramifications that were actually super positive internally at Microsoft giving uh, women and other minorities um, more support, more tools, more resources to help close some of those gaps. And of course, um, I'm sure the, the, the whole working environment felt the ripple effects of me too. It was very oh, yeah. powerful. Yeah, definitely. Yes. I, I know of what you speak. <laughs> I remember mm-hmm. that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm curious. So, you know, was there a defining moment, a decision action, something that really significantly impacted the trajectory of your career and really anchored you in that analytical data center kind of problem-solving environment. I feel I feel like saying that there was one moment is probably not quite right. It's like a, an onion. It's not a good description. Where it was a a number of small moments that I think this is really important for women to be able to recognize those moments. But it was a number of small moments. Um, along my career path that validated or confirmed I was good at it. I got it. Mm -hmm. I understood this. And I remember a personal moment where I had gotten a puzzle for a gift. And for not interesting reasons, that gift ended up still in my house. And I was looking at it and I remembered this voice from childhood. You're not good at puzzles. I was like, this is what I do for my job. Who told me at some point in my life that I wasn't good at puzzles and somehow that stuck in my head? Because I'm going to tell you, I was 43 when I did my first puzzle. Wow. But I found out I'm really good at puzzles. (laughs) And I feel like capturing those moments add to the onion of, oh, I can do that oh, I don't know what I can do. And I think having that growth mindset that you may not get it now, you may not be good at it now, but you can be good at it, all layer up to making baller decisions and applying for jobs that you don't think you're qualified for and showing up for interviews that you're like, I don't know why these people are talking to me, but I'm going to sure have a great conversation with them that 
that confidence that you get from all of those many moments building up, I'd say that's what got me. That's what got me into Microsoft and that's what got me advancing in Microsoft because I just tried. I just tried for things that maybe I didn't even think I could do. And it's fun finding out that not only can you do them, but you can be successful at it. I love that analogy. You know, onions don't tend to get a positive rap. It's always, you know, you're always peeling stuff away from an onion, right? But the, yep. the thought of building up as a, as a human, the yep. layers and growing, which, which is exactly what an onion does, right? So yes. that you become this massive, complex layer of deliciousness is yes. I love that. I love that. Well, and, and also surrounding yourself with people who can help recognize those moments for you. It was when I finished my PMP, which I don't know about you, Kathy, but I took that test twice. I failed the first time. Horrible. Oh dear. Went back, studied, came back and took the test again and did just great. Good for you. And that's when my friend said, well, now that you've relearned how to study, you should just go ahead and do your MBA. And I was like, no, I don't have time, blah, 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 blah. But you know what? I did. And she was right. I learned how to study. And so then I could actually do my MBA while working full time. Wow. How long did it take you? Three years. Took me a long time. <laughs> well, three years to do an MBA when you're working full time is yeah. not a long time. And I think uh, in that, I also chose smartly because I chose a, a um, university that allowed you to test out uh, that was 100% online and that um, my work would reimburse me for. So that's always a big win. <laughs> You're crazy not to do it. If work's paying for it, right. man, if I had a work that would pay for it, I'd, I'd be back in school in a heartbeat. And I think that's that's one of those other layers of the onion is take every single benefit available to you. Yeah, absolutely. Don't leave money on the table. So yeah. true. And you know what's really interesting is, um, I mean, I've worked for some some pretty big companies, well, IBM, some pretty big companies. Um, and the number of people who don't even know that there is an educational yeah. reimbursement program or that, you know, you can go and work six months somewhere else in another office. And those, if, I mean, if that's what you're, if that appeals to you, right. It's, yeah. I've got a, one of my very best friends, I've known her since I was two, she works for Intel and Intel does a, um, they get sabbatical every seven years. You, you need one after working at Intel for seven years. It's kind of that, you know, you get to that three year mark and you're like, oh, you know what? It's only another little while until I get seven weeks off or eight weeks off. Yeah. I'm going to see it. It's a really good retention tool. Um, but they let you do uh, job swaps and yeah. fill-ins. And my gosh, like what a great way to see the world, to go and live in a space. Yep. You know, I'd, I'd be signing up for, you know, either Spain or Mexico and get my Spanish on. And oh my God, it would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, and and again, if you don't take advantage of the benefits, I mean, it's essentially just leaving money on the table. It's part of your paycheck. Sure. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I usually at this point ask my guests about, you know, compromises and things they've they've made in their careers. But I really want to dig into this plastic free. Um, I am I do my best 
um, can always do more with regards to, you know, I, I'm that crazy lady who shows up with the, you know, the, the bags for your, your produce that the people still don't know what to do with. And, you know, oh, well, you know, I don't know what, how much to take off. It's like, it's okay. I will pay the 30 grams worth of whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. And we have more, uh, grocery bags. My husband thinks I'm going to do a second career in setting up a shop because we have so many. Um, but tell me about, you know, that aha moment when you're yeah. out enjoying a lovely snorkel and beautiful sea and sun was shining. And, you know, all you could think about is, oh my God, look at what's happening to our oceans. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you for everything that you do with regards to being plastic free because every little step counts. And I, I was, I, I thought I was pretty focused on being a good steward of our earth and being environmental and trying to make conscious decisions. But um, on that trip, and you, you described it well, I was out in the water. I thought I got hit by a jellyfish. So I, you know, jumped back and it was a plastic bag. And I was like, oh, that's disgusting. So I grabbed it and just kept on snorkeling away. Um, my friends went back to the boat and I putzed around in the water a bit more and just didn't realize until I got back on the boat that I filled up the bag with other bits of plastic on that same trip like most snorkel trips do they take you to a beach after your snorkeling so they can sell you drinks and i was walking up and down the beach and picked up maybe 25 30 um water bottle caps and toothpaste caps and i'm going to say that boat ride back to land in our hotel was one of the longest I've ever had because I just kept on thinking what can I do what can I do and I decided to make the big decision to try and go plastic free which is not an easy thing to do I thought it was no. thought it was going to be super easy I uh, did not know that still five years into it I'd be struggling to reduce some of the plastic in our personal supply chain. And I think that's a big key is so many companies say we have uh, recycled plastic in our clothes or this is made environmentally sound. And then they ship it in a plastic bag, in a plastic bag with a plastic price tag on it. So what are you really getting out of that environmentally sound supply chain? So I really started making decisions about is the full supply chain as environmentally sound as possible? Clothing is my biggest compromise in that I don't buy a lot of new clothes because what companies really fulfill that standard is uh, Prana. They do a great job of having a full supply chain that's plastic free. But so where I started, I'll back up. The first thing I did was I changed my toothpaste. And I say that's the first thing that anybody can do to make a really significant impact because the cap, the tube, 
the box and the plastic around the toothpaste box are not recyclable or compostable. And I've been using, not as an advertisement, but they're great bite toothpaste bits. And this company was started by an amazing woman, world traveler, who was profoundly impacted by the amount of toothpaste caps that she found on the beach and scuba diving. And so she started this company pressing little bits in her living room and then went to a mass production and now is, I think, a thriving company. But she just leveraged technology that was already out there. If you look at folks in Mexico, they've been using toothpaste powder for centuries. And so that's when I decided that part of my plastic-free journey had to be advocacy because Bite Toothpaste Bits doesn't have a big advertising budget, but I certainly can tell every single person I know. Yeah. Uh, decisions as, as the world is more interested in living sustainably have become a little bit easier with, say, uh, bamboo reusable makeup removers that you can get on Amazon or bamboo toothbrushes that are compostable. But some of those bigger decisions it came with um, looking at my food, looking at what I buy. Um, think about your toilet paper that you get, like your Charmin that's in a plastic bag and each thing is in plastic. There's a bunch of companies now that provide fully plastic free and sustainable toilet paper, like Who Gives a Crap and Cloud Paper. And then it came down to like food. So I do grow a lot of my own food now. I get my bulk dried beans and make my refried beans from scratch but I eat a lot of produce. And so one of those bigger life changes was I got myself a lettuce grow, which is a- Oh, those are amazing. Yeah, yeah. Because I was, I was using a plastic, not recyclable clamshell, like two or three of those a week of lettuce. And so I really feel like making some of those changes it's not the easiest it's not the most convenient when i installed my lettuce grow i had to rehome my beautiful 10 foot fiddlehead fig Ooh. i know it was really it was really emotionally traumatic <laughs> to me yes <laughs> i feel your pain is like giving away a child uh, it was hard <laughs> it was hard and um but on the other side of it, I've had a lettuce grow for a year and a half, and I have uh, basil, cilantro, chives, Swiss chard, kale, and a variety of lettuce just waiting for me to go make lunch today. And so I think, I think that everybody can make a difference with little and small changes. But the important yeah. thing is just starting to recognize what you buy it's so difficult and um my sister is amazing at this she a little sometimes maybe a little too vocal because you know you can be an advocate but you need to also be respectful of the fact that yeah. not everybody is there yet right um she wants everybody there yesterday and god bless her for it because she is you know a powerhouse packed into a five foot 
bundle of energy. She's just amazing. But it is, it's, it's a lot of work. It's, it's not, and it's unfortunate that it's, it's not frictionless. No, you can't just decide today that that's it. No more plastic. Yeah. Because, well, I guess you can, but there's serious implications. (laughs) It's, it's, uh, you know, when you buy your Advil and it's wrapped in plastic, you know, it's, um, that I guess the word I use is insidious. It's, yes. I mean, it's truly everywhere. So I'm really lucky in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle, we have a company called Gridwell, which mm-hmm. uh, was started by a father son trying to dispose of batteries appropriately. And so they take a number of things, including plastic film, which is the hardest to eliminate from your mm-hmm. supply chain. And they found a way to recycle a bunch of stuff that the city doesn't recycle. But I think the, the, the champion in the advocacy, your sister-in-law, she, she's, she's really spot on and that it, we should all be there yesterday. And part of it needs to come from our government. Um, yes. In Seattle, we're so lucky. We're, we're a bunch of like-minded recycling hippies, I guess. <laughs> you you go to Arizona and I went down there for a couple of days and I was overwhelmed by the amount of plastic that I had to consume in that place. Yep. You know, it was it's it's time to have our federal government like step up and make some really good decisions about recycling on a national level. I think the the Mexican government, the previous president, decided that straws were damaging and hurting their turtles. And he made the decision that the entire country would pivot to recyclable and compostable straws. And it happened. I mean, if Mexico can do it, we should be able to do it too. Yeah, Canada's there too, at least Ontario. Um, with, you can't get a plastic bag anymore, period, like yeah. full stop. Um, and the whole, you know, the the uh, the straws and things like that. It's just, you know, I just think it's something that more people have to take seriously. Um, yeah. This isn't something that we can wait on doing. And so I thank you, my children thank you, any future generations, because you know what, I'm coming out of this conversation reinvigorated, re-inspired to, you know, and, and summer is easier because I do my shopping at farmer's market and whatnot. So everything is just out and there's no, no plastic involved. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to the, yeah, nope. it doesn't matter that the loose limes are, you know, 20% more expensive. They're not in a plastic bag. That's what I'm going to do you know, trying shopping more locally so that, you know, the plastic isn't needed to ship it from, you know, South America or Africa or, or whatever. Or find those really good subscription companies. Um, you know, our, our meat and our fish mm-hmm. wrapped in plastic on a styrofoam tray in most stores. Crazy. And so, yeah. um, uh, the Alaskan Fish Company and Butcher Box are really good options where you get great, uh, uh, sustainable, usually organic, usually free ranging. Yeah. Um, 
and in the kind of plastic that say my Ridwell subscription will take care of. And so it's both leveraging the farmer's market and looking for those plastic free options and then looking for solutions that might not be plastic free, but are closer and have less waste. Exactly. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Every yeah. little bit helps. And I think that's something that a lot of people use as a reason slash excuse. Yeah. Right. And I think every little bit, anything you can do is absolutely um, wonderful. So this has, Liz, I have just enjoyed this conversation so much. It's been fantastic. Um, please send me a list of links to your favorite plastic-free products and companies, and I will include those um, in the post that goes along with this conversation. It, this has just been amazing. You know, I always, last question, um, one piece of advice that you'd like to share with our audience, particularly maybe the women in our audience. I'm going to take advantage of the question and give two. Okay. The first is your connections are really important. The people in your life, personal and professional, make sure that you're taking the time to nurture them. Uh, be a gardener to your friendships and your relationships, because those are the community and networks that support you when you're down. Uh, it's the network that provides you opportunities uh, that you might not be aware of. And it's also the, the place that celebrates you when you succeed. It's really important to keep the connections in your life going. Mm -hmm. And I guess the second piece is um, uh, I'm a yoga pr practitioner and they have a saying, you can't serve from an empty vessel. And so if you don't take care of yourself, if you're not drinking enough water, if you're not exercising, if you're not eating well, you can't give back to your, to your community, to your family, to your friends, to your job. And I think that taking care of yourself is underrated in our society, especially for women. Totally. Seems like we're supposed to compromise our sleep, um, our health and our welfare so we can take care of the family or get a job done. and I'd just like to give a shout out that you got to take care of yourself so that you can take care of others. Such sage advice, uh, logic that we need to be reminded of um, periodically. So, you know, go and make yourself that really healthy salad with maybe a little side of French fries because, you know, French fries and ice cream should be their own food group, in my opinion. Um, go for a walk. And you know what? There are people there to help if you need help, whether that's, yeah. you know, somebody to sit next to or somebody to scream at. Just absolutely so wonderful advice Liz Liz this has been amazing thank you um to my audience thank you for listening um to Uncharted Journeys with me your host Kathy McKnight I hope you've enjoyed my conversation with Liz and hearing about how persistence and commitment can take you to all of the places that you want to go in your life whether it's personal or professional and if you are keen to hear more amazing stories from amazing women, then you can head over to unchartedjourneys.net and listen to some of the other episodes. You can also sign up to our email list. And definitely please check out the links in this episode. Uh, there will be a plethora of them to help you lead a more plastic-free life. So thank you again for listening. See you next time. And until then, enjoy the journey. É a noite
madeira É uma tita pereira É madeira de vento Da ribanceira É um mistério profundo É o queira ou não queira É o vento ventando É o fim da ladeira É a viga, é o vão, festa da comida É a chuva chovendo É conversa ribeira Das águas de março É o fim da canseira É o pé, é o chão É a mastradeira Passarinho na mão Pedra de atiradeira 